So the federal government is planning to legislate an objective for superannuation. Why do they think that's necessary, and what might it mean for our hard-earned and wildly fluctuating assets? Xavier O'Halloran is the director at Super Consumers Australia. They're an independent body that aims to keep the superannuation industry honest and consumer-focused. And Natasha Panagis is head of superannuation and financial services at the Institute of Financial Professionals Australia. Welcome to you both. Xavier, is it a good idea to legislate an objective for superannuation? Yeah, it really is. Look, we've had superannuation at a universal level for all Australians since the 90s, but we haven't had a really clear purpose or objective for what it's there for. And as a result, uh, every time there's a problem like housing affordability or uh, paying for education or, you know, any matter of social issues that we want to solve, People often look to superannuation as the solution when really it was set up for retirement income. And if we try and turn it into, you know, a a solution to every problem, it starts to really erode what it's good at. And that is making sure people have a, a good standard of living in retirement. Natasha, same question for you. What do you think? Is it a good idea to legislate an objective for superannuation? Yeah, look, I tend to agree with Xavier. I think it's a great idea to um, legislate the objective of super because it will provide stability and confidence to Australians that changes to super policy will be aligned with uh, the purpose of the system. And so that will, well, it should protect super from political interference in the future. Um, The only issue I would raise with the definition is that um, there are words in there uh, to the effect of super must be equitable and sustainable. And I suppose this is being interpreted to mean that a cap or a limit on how much an individual can accumulate in super. Um, and so it's, I suppose, code for the government wanting to wind back tax concessions for super as it does cost the government billion dollars of year, billions of dollars a year and does put pressure on the budget. So I suppose that's um, up for, for debate. Right. And well, the proposed wording, just so everybody can hear it clearly, is to preserve savings to deliver income for a dignified retirement alongside government support in an equitable and sustainable way. I'd like to know what you both think of those words. Natasha, you've given a hint there, but Xavier, what do you think that these words might mean in practical terms? Yeah, so there's two really important ones, I think, to focus on. So the first one is that it's for retirement income, which goes to the point I was talking about before, that you know, if we try and use it for a whole bunch of other purposes, it'll start to undermine the value that it's got. The second one is equitable as well. And I think this is a really important debate for us to be having right now, because we're seeing at the top end of town, there are people who are getting quite significant uh, concessions out of superannuation, um, well in excess of say, what a full-age pensioner might be receiving out of the system. So there's a kind of cross-subsidisation going on that is really unfair at the moment. And uh, this type of definition really redirect policy attention onto whether the tax settings are appropriate. Now, taxpayers basically subsidising those that don't need it for retirement income at the end of the day. We're seeing people um, passing away with significant amounts of wealth, sometimes the same amount that they retire with. Um, and that's uh, all tax incentivized. And so, <laughs> of course, that creates a lot of unfairness. Natasha, what parts of the proposed definition of the objective do you agree with? 
Look, we we do agree that it is there. It's meant to be preserved for your retirement to to give you a financially secure and dignified retirement. Um, definitely agree with all of that. Um, so yes, there's no there's no uh, disagreement there. Um, the only issue uh, is that um, you know the the objective of super yes it is there to be preserved but it is a bit of a strategic move by the government to uh, introduce a limit and to restrict these tax concessions um, and although we do support the objective and we do want the system to be fair and equitable um, we do reject the proposal that another cap for another cap to come into place because there are already mechanisms in place to address the issue that the government sees as a problem so um, the the challenge is to make sure that the super system remains Remain sustainable and does work for everyone without introducing more uncertainty into the wider system, which you know will then impact confidence and ultimately deter people from investing in super moving forward. Um, so we just don't want the the system to be further complicated with more with more change um, by introducing another limit or another cap. We've got some texts coming in giving their views on what the purpose and function of super should be. Jean says it's an obscenity that ordinary Aussies are subsidizing the wealth management of the 1% of the uber rich. And Phil writes superannuation changes should be reframed as closing a tax loophole, which is what would actually occur. Xavier, you represent you. Your organization is looking for ways to keep the superannuation industry honest and consumer focused. Uh, the proposed wording, how does that align with the interests of super consumers? Yeah, so I think what people want from the system ultimately is to trust it. And if they don't see it as fair, they're not going to put a lot of faith and trust in the system. Look, this is a, a mandatory savings vehicle as well for people for their retirement. And so they don't have a lot of choice for at least the standard um, for their superannuation guarantee contributions. They've got to make those regardless. And I think at the end of the day, people want to make sure that their super money is going to be there and that the system is fair and that you know everyone's getting a similar kind of benefit um, out of it. Whereas at the moment, we know that at the top end, the leg up is far in excess of what people are getting at the lower end. Um, just comparing those um, those kind of concessions at the top end, there's you know, more than a billion dollars that could be saved um, to the government purses if we say capped and taxed uh, above $5 million. That's less than 1%. It's a fraction of 1%. In fact, it's about 10,000 people that have balances in excess of that level. That's a huge saving that could be put to better use. We know at the moment that there's um, people experiencing poverty in retirement, largely due to um, not having access to affordable housing. Uh, that would go a long way to boosting things like rent assistance that we know are really targeted at improving um, people's uh, standard of living in retirement and addressing some of those poverty issues that I'm talking about. Mm. We do have figures from 2019, uh, some typical or median balances. Uh, Men aged 60 to 64 uh, at that time had a median or typical balance of 178 thousand eight hundred dollars and for women in that same age group it was one hundred thirty seven thousand dollars and fifty uh, Natasha I'm interested in making a connection between those numbers what we see and also uh, the wording of a, a dignified retirement I'm sure a lot of people listening are thinking well what how much super do I need for a dignified retirement do you have a figure that you could share we're still kind of consulting or trying to work that out it's 
while it might be difficult to argue that, you know, multi-million dollar super um, balances in a concessionally tax environment is not excessive, um, and, you know, is is outside the policy intent of super, um, I think we can all agree that, you know, that is a lot of money and, and most likely will not all be needed for you to fund uh, your retirement savings. Um, so, you know, the issue is, yes, well, how much is the right amount? And, and that's something that we do need to consult with. Is but, a $178,800 balance, for example, would that provide a dignified retirement? Well, yeah, that's a good question. It, it's it's probably on the lower end um, and, you know, may not be enough to uh, deliver a dignified retirement. But I suppose, you know, for, for people like that with average balances like that, that's where government support can also help um, in terms of the age pension to help support um, retirement um, income. Uh, so, yes, look, it's, it's, it's uh, Australians like that with lower to median balances that um, that will, will benefit from this objective of super and from um, you know any uh, anything further that the government does 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 do in this space. Xavier, it's thought that the focus on preserving savings might mean accessing super early could become more restricted. What can people access super early for right now? Yeah, so there's a few things that you can use it for. Usually it's when you're in extreme financial hardship. So situations like if you're about to default on a mortgage or you've got uh, medical costs that you wouldn't be able to cover um, through any other means like the public system or any savings you've already got. Um, there is also the ability for people to make additional contributions um, to super to be used for a first home um, de- deposit as well. Um, so there's a few little things that people can already use it for, but they're, they're kind of more at the extremes or where you're making additional contributions to what is already saved into super. Um, and the expectation is that the government wouldn't be looking to dramatically change those um, from reading the consultation paper that they put out uh, earlier in the week. So kind of expect a lot of those things to remain in place. Should people still be able to access their super for a home deposit, Xavier? Yeah, I think there, there is some value in, particularly in the way the system is currently set up to allow it to happen. It basically lets people access a, a savings environment that they might not otherwise have easy access to and could potentially get better returns from as well for the types of fees that they're being charged. I don't think this is going to be the only solution, though, to housing and affordability. Um, it is a bigger problem. There are supply-side issues there with um, lack of housing and, of course, a whole bunch of tax concessions on housing as well, which are making it a lot harder for first-time buyers to enter the market. Tom from Woiwoi says superannuation needs to be used for purpose and it needs to involve equitable tax arrangements. Using super law to allow tax rorts for the rich imposes costs on the on the less well-off. And another texter says a cap is a very fair way to keep the superannuation system affordable. Anyone with more than $3 million in super doesn't need employer contributions nor in public tax incentive, incentives. They can save their excess income in banks. Conservative governments don't like superannuation and regularly try to undermine it. Objecting to the fair cap will do that. Now, Natasha, uh, there is already a sole purpose test in superannuation. Can you tell us about that? 
That's right, there is. Uh, so for super funds to be eligible for concessional tax treatment, the fund must meet this sole purpose test. And this test means that the fund must be maintained for uh, the sole purpose of providing retirement benefits to its members or to their dependents if a member dies before retirement. So essentially, it's there to ensure that fund trustees make the decisions that are in the best financial, um, best retirement interests of their members and not their current interests. So yes, it does already exist in the legislation and you could argue that you know this is where the objective of super could potentially sit and it could be revisited but uh, if you have a look at the consultation paper the government released um, it does say that <clears throat> the objective of super will be separate from the sole purpose test and I think it's because the sole purpose test is about ensuring trustees manage a super super fund prudently whereas the objective of super is for everybody and that's you know regulators trustees members to all know what the purpose is and what it should be used for so i don't think we'll be seeing uh the objective of super and the sole purpose test bundled up um in in the one piece of legislation Natasha, sticking with you just for the minute, the treasurer, Jim Chalmers, wants to make super for living in retirement and move away from wealth building to pass on to children. What's your analysis of that? Yeah, look, that's 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 fair enough. Um, uh, well, we do currently have, uh, you know, this issue of large balances will simply not continue in the future. Um, and mainly because there were changes made to the legislation um, in July 2017, which, you know, has placed limits on contributions, has placed limits on how much you can start a pension. Also, um, in July 2017, laws were, were passed um, to make sure that death benefits must be compulsorily cashed out of the system. So it's only a matter of time before these large balances will eventually leave the super system because obviously people, elderly people will pass away and in this legacy issue of large balances will eventually die with them as well. So um, I suppose the solution is there already and it's only a matter of time before um, death benefits will come out of the system, particularly for these large balances and, and sort itself out. That's an interesting point. Xavier Natasha points out that this is a legacy system and eventually as the people with the super super balances, if you will, will age out of the system and, and, and we know what happens then. Uh, so with that context, is it necessary then to, to, to make these, cha these proposed changes? Yeah, absolutely. It still is. Um, so there are, even with the caps as they are, they are at the relatively high end and there is still an opportunity to save quite a bit through super more than you would need to live a dignified retirement and I'd say more than you need um, the tax concessions to prop up further above that as well um, so you know the cap that's being proposed is just one um, potential solution we don't have concrete proposals yet unfortunately in this debate so we're all kind of speculating at what the right solution might be but there are other things that could be looked at that would improve the overall equity of the system as well and ensure that what ends up in super is really just for retirement savings and not for anything else. Natasha, I've got a question coming in via text from Jerry for you. Jerry's asking, can you please explain the difference between accumulation phase and pension phase? There is already a $1.7 million limit on accounts in the pension phase. Correct. Yes. So accumulation phase is, is when you're still accumulating your superannuation balance. So you're still working and you're receiving contributions into your fund by way of your employer or before tax contributions, which are your concessional contributions. Um, and there are obviously limits on how much you can um, have in accumulation phase and, and contribute. So you've got your concessional cap, which is currently 27,500. And you've also got 
non-concessional contributions, which are contributions you put into your fund from your after-tax dollars. At the moment, the cap on that is $110,000 or potentially it could be up to $330,000 if you use something called the bring forward rule. So there are limits in place in terms of how much in contributions you can put into your fund. Now, once you move into retirement phase, this is pension phase. And yes, there is limit. There is also a limit on how much you can convert into a tax-free pension. And at the moment, that's called the transfer balance cap. Um, and that's $1.7 million. Now, obviously, when you're in accumulation phase and pension phase, the superannuation um, environment is um, is taxed at a concessional at, at concessional rate. So it really just depends on what phase that you're in. Thank you for answering that, Natasha. Uh, sticking with you, let's talk about the choice of words. Dignified is very interesting because other options that were floated in the past were comfortable and adequate. What are your thoughts on the choice of dignified over those two other terms? Um, yeah, look, I think dignified is a great word. I think it does um, point out that, you know, um, the importance of having that financial security and well-being in retirement. So, you know, dignified just means that it is something that um, is going to be more than just comfortable or more than just modest. So, something that you are um, that that's going to guarantee your financial security. So, I do quite like the word dignified, um, and I do think that will um, provide um, a level of comfort for people, a good level of comfort for people in retirement. Xavier, the Treasurer has also been talking about the superannuation tax concessions for those with large balances, possibly $3 million or $5 million. How might defining the objective of superannuation affect those accounts? Yeah, so we don't know what the government is going to propose there, but some of the things, the caps that you just talked about, are likely proposals. It's kind of two, three, or maybe five million cap above which what's likely is there'd be a different tax rate applied. So at the moment, um, as was just pointed out, once people are in the retirement phase below the transfer balance cap, which is currently 1.7 million, there's no tax, and then above it, they've continued to tax on their their earnings above that rate. So there could be a different taxation rate applied effectively, um, which may be, you know, say 30% instead of a 15% tax on those earnings, which um, would generate a lot more revenue to help redress some of that uh, imbalance that currently exists within the retirement phase for people. And just to be clear, people with $3 million and $5 million in their super accounts are in the very small majority. ATO tax figures from 2019 show that about 320,000 people have super balances above 1 million, 80,000 have more than 2 million, and only about 11,000 have more than $5 million. Um, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, though, Xavier. How would any all of this mean? What would all of this mean for people with much smaller ba balances or perhaps no balances at all? Yeah, so that's really important because the other parts in the definition are about talking about how government support plays a part for people in retirement as well. And so the people at the other end of the spectrum typically rely almost entirely on the age pension um, at the very far end. Uh, and then right through to kind of middle and even some middle to high will receive some age pension throughout their retirement years. And what this is about is um, really balancing because at the moment the, the um, tax concessions within super are 
on path to basically outstrip what the entire cost of the age pension is. So um, it's starting to, you know, get quite expensive. Uh, if there is some offsetting, we can really start to address some of those issues that we know people in retirement that are experiencing financial hardship at the moment are seeing. And so when we did some recent research looking at those particularly renters and their um, financial stress indicators, we found they were really off the charts, about 60% of renters in retirement are experiencing some kind of financial stress, including not being able to pay bills on time. Um, and uh, in large part, that's due to what's been going on with rental prices at the moment. They're out of control and a lot of people are just no longer able to afford secure housing in retirement. Um, so one of the things the government could do to address that is increase what's available for rent assistance. There was a proposal in the um, retirement income review that looked at what a 40% increase in rent assistance to start to address some of this um, poverty in retirement would cost. Um, and it's actually about $340 million. So, you know, far less than the type of tax concession revenue raise that could be um, come from a, a more equalised system. Um, if we address some of the concessions at the top end. So there's real potential here for government to address some pretty big social issues that are facing retirees at the moment. Natasha, you say that there are already rules that stop people from putting excessive amounts of money into their super. There are caps on super contributions. In layman's terms, what are they? That's right. So there are caps in place at the moment. Um, so at the moment, the the concessional contribution cap or the before tax cap is twenty seven thousand five hundred per year, and this covers all your employer super guarantee payments, any salary sacrifice contributions you put into your fund, and any other personal contributions that you want to claim as a personal du- tax deduction. So that's currently twenty seven thousand five hundred. Um, we've also got the non-concessional contribution cap, and this covers your after-tax contributions. So this cap is currently $110,000 per year, or it could potentially be up to $330,000 over a three-year three period. And that obviously depends on um, your total superannuation balance and, and whether you can do that based on your balance. Um, and so we do have limits on on contributions and also the limit on um, the total amount of super you can transfer into a tax-free retirement income stream, uh, and that's currently 1.7. Um, from 1 July this year, it is expected to increase through inflation indexation, and that'll be up to uh, $1.9 million. So this limit, um, this $1.9 million limit um, on pensions is, is, uh, is a limit that can be held and really has helped the number of large balances that exist um, as has limited those numbers because it is designed to force out large amounts over time. So we do have existing um, caps and limits in place that already kind of deal um, with um, with having these large balances in the system. Thank you so and much for that, Natasha Panagis and Xavier O'Halloran as well. It's been such an interesting conversation. I'm sure we will return to superannuation uh, multiple times in the year as this debate continues. Xavier O'Halloran Halloran is a director at Super Consumers Australia, an independent body that aims to keep the superannuation industry honest and consumer focused. And Natasha Panagis is head of superannuation and financial services at the Institute of Financial Professionals Australia. And a few of your texts coming through, one person says the word dignified is a feel good term and is therefore unhelpful for superannuation. Dignified is subjective, relative and fluid. It has elitism implications. And Nell has texted in, probably listening 
listening keenly to what Xavier has to say. Why should only the rich be entitled to dignified retirement? I have a super balance of $12,000 at age 72. Why? I worked in low wage com- I worked in a low wage community service industry, not even an award till the late 90s. Uh, the compounding effects of, of advantage need to be addressed if anything like equity is to be achieved. Thank you, Nell, for your text and for everybody listening and texting through. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.